This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me today, Cam Raslan, well, we're doing one of our special in-depth editions of uh, Bitterculture, where we speak to one person and uh, go in-depth into one particular topic. And so this is a topic I've been wanting to do for such a long time, but um, haven't been able to because, well, for reasons. But I want to talk about t- musicals. Today, it's musicals. And who better to talk about musicals than Malaysia's most experienced musicals person? <laughs> he is a singer. He is Mr. Sean Ghazi. Sean. Hey. I think that's a moment for jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, quickly, could you tell our uh, listeners, our many listeners, what is it that you do? Um, I'm a, a singer, an actor, a director, and with regards to musicals, I kind of, uh, I'm trying to be humble, um, I, I am the first Malaysian to ever play a leading role uh, on the West End stage in London. Because your singing now is, is in Malaysia, but uh, yes. back in the day, could you tell us, just give a sense of the scale of the, the work that you did in the West End and indeed in Germany in musicals? Right. So um, I, I was quite lucky. Um, I got into musicals right out of, out of college uh, after training for three years in, in, uh, in Epsom in, in Surrey. And um, that was the plan. I, I kind of, as a kid, I, was, I wanted to be in musicals. And so uh, the first musical I got into was Miss Saigon. And uh, that was a bit of luck because, you know, it was an Asian themed show and I'm an Asian <laughs> themed uh, <laughs> performer. And so uh, there was a there was a big vehicle that was that was looking for Asian talent at the time. And so, yeah, so uh, that was back in 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in London, I've been in Miss Saigon. I've been in I, I did five emergency um, shows. Uh, of rent, and um, and the, my last contract in the in, in London was the King and I at the, at the Palladium. Right. So you did a lot of work in the West End, but you were also in uh, German productions of those same yes, yeah musicals. And and they're the same musicals because as a as an Asian performer, you know, back then when they weren't casting uh, sort of non traditionally as they are starting to do now. Uh, there were only a few Asian-themed shows that, that we could get into, and that basically was a handful. Uh, was uh, Miss Saigon, The King and I, and Rent, <laughs> and, I, mm-hmm. and those are the three shows that I did over and over again. Right, and so the German ones you did, you performed in German. In German, yes. So the first one I did was Miss Saigon, and do I speak German? No. But what what they do is they they they, they cast far and wide, and there are no equity rules in Germany, so they could cast whoever they wanted. And the idea is you come in early. Uh, for rehearsals, uh, like three or four weeks earlier, and then they teach you the whole libretto um, parrot fashion, just phonetically. Right. And so you get the you get the language uh, sorted, and then you put it on its feet. The 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 nature of the musical itself, the the structure of a musical, and the the creative arts that are required to perform in a musical. But then also, I really want to talk about the the business model of a musical because you've been on the inside, so you've seen how big these are and the kind of investments involved. Yep. And, and it might help answer a question that oftentimes Malaysians ask, uh, which I think is kind of silly, which is, you know, why can't we do this here? <laughs> uh, you know, that, that there's a reason why it can't be done sure. here. And we'll but first, find- I, have to, I have to thank you for asking me these questions because no one usually wants to know, you know, especially with, with regards to musical theatre. So thank you, Cam. Oh, what, 
th- this is a bit of culture. We are, you know, we cover the parts that other people realize are not, you know, not worth covering, but we cover them. Uh, so first of all, uh, I personally think that uh, the structure of a musical is one of the most perfect kind of story encapsulations of storytelling. Musical can be as diverse as, say, West Side Story, Sound of Music, uh, right. and um, King and I, but mm-hmm. they often follow a particular structure, and and they appeal to particular emotions in the audience. And I'm wondering if if you can help break down what those things are. So, for instance, a musical invariably has a female lead, more often than not. Yeah, female. It should be male-female, um, invariably, as you say, but to some of these more modern stories are, are more ensemble pieces, mm. um, like Hamilton and stuff like that. Uh, a good musical is quite close to perfect, if they get it right. right. Um, but but I've, I've always said there's a fine line between a good musical and a really crapola one. You know, so... Uh, Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I think of a, a good musical, a perfect musical, I, I, I would think of um, The Sound of Music. Right. And, and, and one of the things that The Sound of Music does, which so many musicals do, they start with a song which is, which is called the I Want song. Right. And yes. the, the main character will come on and sing, literally say the phrase, the term, I want. Uh, and in the case of The Sound of Music, she says, you know, the hills are alive with the sound of music and I want to climb them and I want to do all these wonderful right. things yes. away from this tiny life that I live. <laughs> and, and I'm wondering, what are the other kind of uh, points that a, a musical story has to hit? Well, I think um, you've got it right. It kind of, it, it, there's no time to lose with a musical because there's so much you need to fit in. Right. There's, you, you have to think about the leads and the, you have to give them moments to shine. And you've also got to think about the ensemble, the, the company. And there are often, you know, big, huge group numbers uh, of, of varying uh, emotional uh, highs and lows. Um, but I think you said it, it, it right off the bat in a musical. You kind of have to say this is what it's about. And the next two hours are going to be about this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the formula per se. Uh, no, in terms of like, we need to have all these different components. But, uh, but you can feel it when you're in a. I mean, you, you've been in long-running musicals, so you can feel it that it works, and yes. that it's 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 hitting certain points, and yeah. that the songs themselves must push the story. They cannot just be a moment aside with a nice song. Yeah, they're, they they can't be asides. It's basically the. I mean, the story cannot be told any way, any way else. It has to break into song, you know, and then the song take it to, takes it to a new level. And, and you, uh, we can describe as what in uh, musical theater would be a, a triple threat. Oh, and thank you for saying it. And then <laughs> well, <laughs> saving I, me from having to say it. <laughs> well, a triple, a triple threat is a person who can sing, can dance, can act. Yes. Back in the day, I was a full on triple threat. Right. And those... Yeah. Uh, attributes are necessary because you've got to be able you to act, act. you've got to sing and you've got to dance. Now, certain musicals will be a bit more dance heavy. So they'll be kind of like you, if you can act and dance and hold a tune, you're fine. We can cast you. Other musicals will be a bit more vo- vocally heavy. Like Miss Saigon is a vocally heavy show, not huge on, on the dance requirement. So we got, you know, and also the score calls for, you know, top B, B flats and top C's and things from, from just the men. And so if the men can hit those, we sort of close one eye to the, the dance ability. Or the show's been built so that these um, better singers and, and not so good dancers um, can fit in into the, into the big picture. 
But each time that there's a new cast with these long-running shows, uh, a new actor simply has to uh, repeat a role that's pre-existing. Yes, I mean, you, word you, for you word, motion for motion. Word for word, motion for motion, you slot into someone else's track, is what we say. So, so um, you, you'd leave the show, and then we would we would audition for the cam replacement, and then so you, so so the new guy would go into the cam track, right? Uh, mm. Each 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 person's show is known as a track, and sometimes there'll be uh, you know depending on how the how the shoe fits, you you can sort of own a double track or or, or a mixture of of tracks. But you don't want to be, you don't want the reviews to say Sean Garzi has given a whole new interpretation to that role in The King and I. Oh, it depends. If it's, if it's a lead or if it's a featured part, then you can, you, you, you can give an, uh, your own interpretation to the role. Uh, but they still, especially with these big blockbuster musicals, uh, we used to call it um, McDonald's Tosh, Cameron Macintosh, McDonald's Tosh, where basically it's the same burger wherever you, wherever you buy it. Just, um, you know, with a with a different sauce or with a with a different pickle, and because you're refusing to own up to the things that you've done, I, I I'm going to have to say, one of the things you did was to actually direct the the uh, the new 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 arrivals into the role. Yes. So um, my my time on Miss Saigon, I I I sort of liken it to doing a, a, a PhD, you know, and I, I decided very young that I wanted to learn as much as possible about the workings of this mammoth um, show. And uh, I sort of worked my way up. I became a swing. So a swing is like a reserve. And initially I, I um, covered the 11 Vietnamese ensemble roles. And then um, later on, they decided that, hey, you know, with a bandana um, um, slapped on my forehead, I looked kind of Hispanic. So I, I then covered all the, the GI ensemble roles. Then from that, it, when I, I sort of took over as dance captain, and then when I did the show in Germany, I went in as dance captain and the principal understudy, but I also was the Abendspielleiter, the, uh, the resident director. And so it was my job to make sure that that show went out eight times a week. And... Uh... How long is a person in in a ro- in rotation? How long? I mean, do you, is it a whole new bunch of people? One day? No, are... it's it's um, th- there will be a general cast change after uh, after the contract, and uh, you know the contracts can be six months or a year. There'll be a general change, um, but then you do get people who who leave mid midway mid contract, and so there'll be a, a, a few replacements, and that's how I got in. Um, back when I was 22, I was actually replacing uh, one guy who was being promoted into a swing role. And so they, they auditioned for one, one replacement and I got the role. And so when I went into the show, it was just me and then the whole, comp- the, the whole existing company. And so I had to be given everything, uh, tech rehearsals and dress rehearsals. Well, I was the only idiot in full costume for the whole run and everyone else was in their, in their cities. And that was just to be clear. That was your first professional West End uh, West End show. First, first professional West End show. I, I replaced someone. It was just me and another girl, and a girl. It was the two of us who had to be given the full works to uh, to be put in what we call a put in uh, into the show. So uh, just to be clear, also then. So that this is the, this is actually the true life, the, a chorus line um, yes, yeah. story because yeah. they were in Malaysia one day and then. The next day you're on stage in the West End? 
<laughs> they they spotted you in the street. What? what no, I I trained. I trained uh, for three years at a place called Lane Theatre Arts, and um, it's basically like like the the fame school if you can imagine that. And so uh, we start very early with classes ballet. Then from ballet you go to jazz, jazz you go to tap. After tap you you might have a singing lesson. After singing lesson you might go back into another ballet class and repeat, repeat, repeat until school ends which is around six ish and then you are into rehearsals for whatever show or, or presentation that you'd be working on so you and rehearse until eight or nine and then you go home dead and this was three years of auditions no call no, this, this is this is three years of, of um training. Of training and i was not allowed as a malaysian i was not allowed to go out and audition for things but of course i did <laughs> <laughs> i did i was just like you know um, I don't have to tell anyone. And I just did it for the practice. I just went to these open calls, these cattle calls where, you know, hundreds of people are there at six in the morning. And then you go through the whole sort of uh, basically a course time audition. And yeah. I would challenge myself. I would say, okay, I can't get the job anyway because I don't have the right um, visa, but I'm going to challenge myself and, and see how far I can go. Well, you mentioned hundreds of people. So, uh, in, in uh, part two, in a moment, I'd like to talk about the, the hundreds of people, the scale, the, the, sure. the scale of a, a West End musical and the kind of uh, industry and the business behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll do that in a moment uh, here on A Bit of Culture, BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan. And on this special edition of A Bit of Culture, we're talking about musicals, uh, the, the, the theater type, West End, Broadway types with Malaysia's very own Sean Ghazi. Uh, Sean, jazz hands. Jazz hands. Sean has been uh, in a lot of musicals in the West End uh, over the years. And so I thought it'd be a really wonderful opportunity to discover what that industry is like. So Sean, can I ask you about the, the, the scale and the industry involved in the West End? Um, the productions you've been in, they got casts of, I don't know, maybe 50 people. Uh, yeah, 50 about the average for the, the blockbuster size musical. There's an orchestra there as well. 26. And then you've got uh, lighting people, crew, m- masses of crew. You've got dresses, you've got wiggies, you've got makeup people. It's a zoo backstage. I love it, but it's a zoo. <laughs> but we're talking about maybe on every given night, 150 people making this thing happen. On a big show, I would say 150. On a, a medium-sized show, about 100, yeah. Because we've got the front of house as well. You got the front of house. They're normally on a different payroll, but you do have those people, and they so so they'd be hired by the actual theatre. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so the actual theatre is separate from the production. Sure, and the actual theatre is owned by you know these tycoons like Andrew Lloyd Webber and Cameron Macintosh. And so sometimes, pro- sometimes a Macintosh production would be in a Macintosh house. So that's double untong for the below. So otherwise, a, a musical might be paying rent to the. Yes, yes, of course, venue rent. Right. And uh, the, I think, you know, there'll be some sort of rate for a long running success. And I, I'm sure, you know, the longer run, the, the, the better discount you get on your monthly rent. But I mean, I, I mean, there you, you were on stage, you were singing and dancing. You, you weren't necessarily. Uh... You make it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> but you weren't privy to, to the money that was coming in and going out. I wasn't privy to the money, no, but I was very interested in the in the the phenomenon of 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 these full houses and where these where these full houses came from every single show on a on a show that is a success i have to add you know sadly full houses on the 
Bachelor yeah. means closure. Lah. So, um, yeah. So I was really interested in that, like what, what it took, what sort of marketing did it take to, to fill eight shows a week of a 2,000-seater, a 1,200-seater. And how, what, what, what was it then? It, well, mass, massive advertising budgets um, and a machinery that uh, even before the show opens, it's, it's all about the uh, advanced ticket sales, advanced box box office and each show would pride itself on like oh getting the you know breaking the record for the highest advance box office so for example the king and i that i did uh in it was the to the 2000 revival of the king and i at the palladium with elaine page as anna and uh, jason scott lee hollywood actor as the king and so um the producers david ian uh well, he sort of was very proud of the fact that at the time it took the most, the highest um, in advance box. I think at the time it was like six million pounds and that was huge. I went to Hamilton not so very long ago. And in one London of the thing, or New York? In London, in London. Right. And one of the things that struck me, of course, was that the audience were, I mean, they're all out of towners and the, the, next to me were Filipinos and there were Malaysians over there. And then the, 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 the English people, such as they were, were obviously from outside of town. So right. presumably uh, there's no coincidence that there's Broadway and there's the West End because it requires sure. being in a city where there is um, a, a mass tourist flow. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a thing, isn't it? You go into town to take in a show you go if you're traveling to london if you're if you're traveling domestically you go you go into town and you have a nice meal with your friends and you take in a show and that's that's a trip to london and likewise with new york and that's just domestic travel right but then you've got the the masses and masses of tourists arriving daily uh, pre-covid Right. Yeah, but what's the um, situation then in Germany? I mean, Germany is what the fourth largest economy in the world. So, yeah. it, it, but it doesn't have a Broadway per se. It doesn't. So, what they did back in the late eighties, early nineties, um, they were quite clever. They wanted to promote domestic tourism, and so there isn't like a city where all the shows are in. The, the, the shows are dotted out, north and south, east and west, and um, it's all about promoting this sort of domestic. Uh, travel matrix within the country, right? So Hamburg has the most shows, uh, followed by oh, Hamburg, Berlin, Stuttgart, and Munich. And each city will they they, they try to kind of try to choose the show that's that supports um, the cultural thing, the, the cultural kind of uh, what I'm looking for, the word I'm looking for. Like yeah, rent yeah. wouldn't rent wouldn't have worked outside of a certain city, for example. Right, yeah, Berlin or something. Yeah. 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 Are you talking about state subsidized then? Yes. Um, okay, so, the, so there's a huge history of, of Stadttheater in, in Germany, state theater, and, and, and uh, very, very well run. Um, but then the stuff that I did was, was commercial. And so there were the, the, the mavericks who, who fashioned themselves after Lloyd Webber and, and, and Cameron McIntosh, uh, who would not only buy the shows or license the shows from, from New York or from London, but they would also build the theaters. Oh. And so when, so when we opened in, in Miss Saigon, they, they had built the hotel, the casino, the spa, and the theater. And everything opened on the same day. So oh. opening night was, was massive. It was like a, a city had been created. Wow. Yeah. 
And and uh, you told me once uh, a, a while back about Starlight Express. Still running. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not running in London, hasn't been running for a long time. Yeah. But it's running in Germany, but in quite a small town. It's in a small town. Uh, oh, my God. Is it? It's Bochum. Starlight is, is, is in Bochum. And it's been there, God, maybe 30-something years. And um, it... It's different uh, to the to the English show because it's an arena. So the, so they they skate in a kind of like in a, on a track, right? And um, they have marketed that show as if it were a rock concert. And uh, there is a ton of repeat business on Starlight. People will see it every season to catch the the new leads or the, a, a new song or whatever. And so I'm I'm sure Lloyd Webber is is using Starlight Germany to float a lot of the other stuff. And and people are, are being bussed in throughout from the German speaking world, from Austria, whoever, wherever, yes. to to yes. go to that show, to, to that show, that small yes. town. Yeah. So you're bringing a lot of dollars into that, sorry, uh, euros into that town. Into that town, exactly. When we when we um, opened in Miss Saigon, uh, it was in a little village. <laughs> I say village, it wasn't really, it was a town. But it, it, it felt like a village to us. You know, we were all these worldly Asians moving into to Müringen, south of Stuttgart. And these guys who lived there didn't know what hit them. You know, suddenly there were a ton of Asian people <laughs> um, calling around. And there was a bit of a pushback initially, but uh, after the show opened, it was a success, and they they saw how much it did for the economy. Then you know they loved they loved the show and they loved the theatre. So can I ask you, Sean, from your experience in the West End and from the German model as well, can, can no. this can this be replicated in Malaysia? Is it a pipe dream, or is there is there some way that not necessarily a Starlight Express that la- runs for thirty years, but a, you know a show that has a, a goodly run? And it's a, it's a good quality show with cast of fifty. I, I think I think so. I, I don't think um, necessarily on, on one of those blockbuster scales, right? In terms of like you know the Saigons and the Les Mises of the world, um, but I, I think a, a smaller show in a in a manageable house, five hundred seater, six hundred seater, with with good marketing and an ad spend, and really kind of like. Um, you know, reaching out to to specific audience um, hmm. demographics. I think it, it it could work, but uh, I'm not sure that we're talking about more than three or four years. You know, Mud ran um, for three years, and that's that's a small house. It's 300 people, but you know, not all shows were were full, hmm. and and sometimes they had to do double shows to empty audiences. So that's that's not fun. But the West End not, shows. Not knocking anyone. I'm just using that as an example. Sure, sure. But the the West End shows absolutely had to get those full houses every single performance. Is that right? Uh, Was there yes. any wiggle room at all? Um, it dep- I guess it depends on if if you, if it's one show in a stable of many, right? And it, uh, you know, someone like someone. Like, I mean, I keep mentioning uh, Lloyd Webber, and so his his company is really useful. The really useful group and and Cameron McIntosh. So that, those are the big players. And so if they've got a stable of shows running in town, then um, the stronger shows can support a, a, a fledgling newbie, right, for a while. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So it's a business, but that you mentioned Lloyd Webber a few times and Cameron McIntosh. Are they state subsidized in any way? Are they they're absolutely independent? Um, I mean, are they getting any kind of arts council, British arts council? I, I, I don't think so because they are, I mean, they started off 
totally commercial. Mm. And I think maybe by now they've got sort of tax incentives or, um, you know, uh, deals that sweeten things slightly so that, uh, you know, Macintosh puts his next big show uh, at, a, at a specific theater. But I, I don't think that they qualify for... No, for I, I can't imagine they do. I mean, yeah. yeah they, 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 I, I could be wrong, though. I'd have to ask my colleagues. But yeah, I yeah. Think so. Yeah. Well, as we as we near our end, I want to ask you a couple of final questions. One is, uh, you you were in those shows, and do you loved it, presumably, and do you miss it? I miss it very much. I miss the uh, I miss the routine, and um, you know, it the the discipline it that it that it requires of you to to pull out eight shows of the same quality mon- uh, Monday to Saturday two shows on Wednesday, two shows on Saturday. But I, I loved that lifestyle. I'm not so sure I would have the stamina <laughs> nowadays, yeah, yeah. right? But that training is, is in you now. So it, it, mm. it, it's helping you in doing what you do. Yes. What is it? Again, tell us again, what is it? Oh, um, so I still sing I, and I sing for, um, you know, I, corporate shows and the sort of cherry maca and bread and butter stuff. Um, but I, I, I run a venue. I run Bobo Kuala Lumpur. So I'm the artistic director of that. And occasionally I will put myself on uh, the program. Um, and, uh, and I do still do musicals, uh, mostly in Singapore at the moment, because uh, Singapore has a great musical theater scene. And, it, and their, the quality of their productions come as close as, as, I, as, as I can tahan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, the, to the work that I've done before. Um, but the and Singapore I'm, I'm productions, very, very choosy. The Singapore productions are like a month or so, aren't they? The runs. Yes, maximum month, maximum. And and they get full houses down there, do they? Uh, they do. Um, Singapore's got its marketing sorted out, you know. And and uh, certain companies they will sell a whole year in advance. They they will they're selling next year now, uh, pre-COVID, right? And, so. And- and you, I don't know if you get a sense of the audience, but they must be majority, almost entirely Singapore audience, Singaporeans. I would say 80% local audience and, and the rest is, is tourists. Right. Yeah. yeah. And would, would you like to do that here in Malaysia, Sean Ghazi? Uh, I would love to do that, you know, but there are lots of rules and regs in Malaysia in terms of the kind of material that we can do. Right. Oh, yeah, no, no, obviously, but also, oh, oh, but just off the top of your head, let's yeah. say you wanted to do a, a, um, a new musical, mm-hmm. not just uh, taking. Um, no, no, I think we 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 would have to write a, a new book and a, a, and a new score. Yeah. Okay, so a new and, one and, and, and a, a Malaysian story, lah, a Malaysian story. Absolutely, and it and it would have uh, not necessarily uh, a cast of millions, but you know, a goodly cast. Of the show is uh, a, a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how much would it cost and and how long would it take because you'd you'd get like a oh i don't know a 600 seater round here how long would it have to run in order to start making a profit okay, oh, okay. you asked me this question um ooh, um okay to do a good one to do a good musical with a with a healthy cast that's 50 is too many I, let's just say 25 right and uh and a band about maybe 10 to 15 um, we're, we're talking millions. We're talking a couple to 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 act, to get a good start and to and to get it on its feet and to mm. open and then hopefully it, it would be it's good enough to then generate its own buzz and its own 
box office. Yeah. But so you would invest, you would invest up to a point, and then uh, and then you hope and pray and cross fingers that that it takes on its own life. Mm. And in a post-COVID world, mm-hmm. where Kuala Lumpur wishes to be, and you know, with with Air Asia is something of a, a hub, a, a yes. travel hub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be a, a good uh, a good thing to do, wouldn't it? A good thing to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love musicals. You you love musicals. People love musicals. I think they're they're you know when they're when they're done well they're they can be joyous and mm. I think that's that's what's the, what's the the number one essence about a, a good musical is that you just leave feeling better about everything. Mm. Well, uh, we're going to wrap up now, but uh, Sean Garzi, I just want to ask you one final question, which is kind of like the future of the musical. I, we've been uh, referencing quite old musicals, really. I mentioned yeah. the sound of music there, which is like yeah. 150 years old or something. <laughs> and, and, yeah. but, but you did mention Hamilton, yeah. uh, which is, uh, I've seen, it's kind of the first half is like really rap. The second, yeah, the second half is a bit more yeah. songy. Um, and the audience loved it. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. And a lot of people who'd never been turned on by musicals were t- turned on by this. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering if, if the old musical perhaps is, if, if it still has life in it, and, and if there is a new a necessity for a new audience to provide a new type of musical experience. Well, I think the old musicals will always have a bit of life in them. There's something about a classic, you know, that uh, will never die. He hopes. He hopes. Um, but there's a bit, same thing about a, about a good Shakespeare play. You know, hopefully Shakespeare's stuff will be around for a long time. Um, but I, I, I think in terms of scale that uh, musicals are getting smaller um, because it's just too expensive to, to, to run, right? So there are these more chamber-sized pieces where, you know, four-hander, five-hander, where the, uh, all the performers play multiple roles, a little bit like Hamilton, but a third the size. Mm. And I think, um, I think they, you know, the, the nature of art is to, is to morph, is to, is to move with the times, is to change. And I, and, uh, and we're, we're seeing a little bit of that now. Um, but I, I, I'm, I have to fly the flag of these old Rogers and Hammerstein classics that, that just are so good that, um, there's always going to be a place for them. Mm. I think. One thing I've, I felt with the, the Hamilton that I saw and, and with what we were saying about the thing getting smaller is that the performers in that, by necessity, uh, or perhaps it's just younger people, they really had to bring their own personal charisma. Right. Um, yeah. That they had to make the role their own. And, and that's, um, but that's the approach that um, Lin-Manuel, my good friend, <laughs> <laughs> is taking. And, and, and I also love the fact that he's, he's looking outside of um you know the 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 boundaries of of racial casting you know that uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you can be whatever but just you just need to have the chops and tell the story and you know be fantastic okay sean before we go tell us how can people find out about what you do at cafe oh. bobo and other things besides okay so you can usually find me at bobo kuala lumpur and that's on jalan bangkong in bangsa uh, i'm the artistic director there and i uh, help curate um all, all the stuff that goes on uh, every weekend. Uh, we're not open yet. We're still waiting. To, we're still sorting out our SOP and uh, all, all that stuff, which is kind of a little bit gray at the moment. Um, I'm, oh, I didn't mention Tarakucha. That's my big band. Um, and you can follow us on uh, at Tarakucha Band. I believe that's our IG. 
and um, so uh, and that, and that's something I'm really proud of and look forward to working more on uh, in the future. Because you band. perform you perform songs like very diverse range from sort of the P Ramleys all the way through to the uh, the you're, you're just too good to be true. Uh, yeah, Pop we try numbers. and mix, we, we try and mix up. We try and uh, our, our thing, our signature is to unearth or um, rediscover or repolish some of these old Malaysian gems. And what we like to do is is position them, you know, alongside contemporary class, uh, contemporary songs or uh, or classic evergreens, just to you know, kind of say that music is music is music, and it just needs to be good, and it all belongs together. Yeah, I, I personally feel when watching your shows that it's a, it's a real kind of Malayan experience, dare I say. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right, but because uh, that's kind of the values that we are trying to, mm. trying to kind of mm. remind people of. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful about um, post-COVID in Malaysia in terms of, of um, you know, the arts. I, I think we're going to see that there's going to be a little bit of a, a renaissance and... Uh, Know, a revival of, of, of sorts of, of, of lots of stuff because we've just been so starved haven't we over the last mm. year mm. Yeah. okay well uh, thank you very much Sean Garvey thank you thank you Cam jazz hands <laughs> and uh, for those who don't know actually uh, jazz hands is when <clears throat> is that famous thing when people in musicals they put their hands up and they they kind of wave them in front of you it's like, the uh, word is shimmy shimmy and shimmy the hands yes <laughs> right and uh and so uh thank you and please join us uh, with myself cam russland next week on another exciting episode of bit of culture here on bfm 89.9 thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station